0: Welcome back to our podcast. I'm here with Jerry Wyant, and my name is Jim Hughes, and our podcast is called The Gospel According to Jesus, and this is our fifth in a series that we're doing on the gospel message. And Jerry, as we open up God's Word today, I want us to think about something. I want us to think about some key things as we go through this podcast. God is willing to meet us where we are if, in fact, the enemy has convinced you that you're too far gone. You've done too many bad things. Whatever you're thinking in your mind, God's willing to meet us there. You have to understand that, that God is ultimately desiring to have fellowship with us. And I like to think about this in the way that I see when in Genesis when God was fellowshipping with Adam. You know, he created the universes. He created this this planet. And what was first and foremost on his mind wasn't what he had created, he he came to Earth and looking around, thinking, "Man, this is really neat." You know, look what I've done. No, he he like like blinders on, and his first and foremost thoughts was to fellowship with Adam, was to have communion with him, and that's powerful. God wants to have communion with us, so communion with the Father is daily prayer. And I'm not talking about repetition, but communicating. I know a lot of people do this. I know, I know it's out there. I, I know it's a form of religion, but it's not about rep- repetition, and the, and the Scripture's clear about that. It's not about repetition, but it's about communicating. It's, it's about how Jerry and I are communicating with you, talking and sharing your heart with God and then daily reading of God's Word, opening up God's Word. God has blessed us with His Word. He's given it to us. There's a lot of different translations, and we'll go into that later on as we move through our podcasts. But there are some that are not good, and there are some that are excellent. And Jerry and I will talk about those in future podcasts. But opening up the Word of God and just reading God's Word. And in doing both, you will hear that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is something I want to focus on right now. God isn't this booming powerful voice that comes out of heaven and says, Jim, go do this. It's by communicating by prayer and by reading God's word that I do that he speaks to me in that still small voice. It's how I came upon. I basically texted Jerry saying, hey, I think God's moving me to do a podcast. And Jerry says, yeah, let's do it. That's that still small voice and recognizing that still small voice. So our theme scripture is, Amos 8.11, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or of thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. And so that's why Jerry and I are doing this. We, we know there's a famine, but people are hungry. He sees it. I see it. It's, it's daily. It's, people are reaching out, doing a lot of different things to try to hear the words of the Lord. Jerry gave a testimony the last time about leading a person to, to Christ. And some of the people that we come in contact with, they're they're involved in a lot of different things, but ultimately they're trying to hear what God's saying. And that's, that's really what everybody's trying to do by reaching out through different religions and through different ways. But ultimately, it's through daily prayer as a believer when you commit your life to Christ and opening God's Word. So today we're going to Look at how Jesus gives us the courage to witness and the confidence. Well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? He actually gives us the courage. He actually gives us that ability to go out and share our faith with people. Absolutely. I'm a person that I'm not real good face to face with people, and there's no way that I could have done this without God giving me this courage. I remember when I was in school and a literature writing class I don't remember what grade it was like tenth or eleventh grade or something and if you got up and gave your book your your paper, whatever you wrote on, whatever the topic was, if you got up in front of the class and and read it, the maximum grade you'd get was an A If you didn't, the maximum grade you could get was a C. Well, guess what I got? I always got a C or lower, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's because I couldn't get in front of people. I, hadn't, I didn't have that in me. I was very shy and didn't really, you know, I mean, I wasn't like some hermit, but it was just tough, right? So he gave me the courage. And so it takes courage to share your faith with people. It's the message. It's, it's the gospel according to Jesus. It's good news. It's the best news ever given to mankind. But if you're using the tools of God's word to communicate the gospel according to Jesus, not everyone is going to embrace it. I know that's hard to take, but you would think, you know, this is good news. So why wouldn't people take it in? Well, they don't. So not everyone's going to embrace it or like it. Or guess what? Even like you for giving it to them. Telling people that through the gospel message that they're not right with God and that they need to get right with God, most people aren't going to. Put their arm around you and say, You know what, Jim? I just really appreciate you making me feel so convicted and unworthy today. Thanks. You know, I mean, they just don't do that. It is how the gospel is preached. So today we're going to see what Jesus said to his disciples to get them moving towards sharing this message. Remember, at this point, the disciples are in the upper room. So Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's rose from the grave. He's ascended into heaven. And the disciples are in a room in fear for their lives, and of the Jews. So think about that. Jerry and I just finished a biography about William Branham. And if you don't know who William Branham is, William Branham was a was an evangelist that lived. His ministry ran from the late 30s all the way to his death in 1965. But he was a healing evangelist, and and God supernaturally used him. And if you want to know more about it, you can just look him up. I think about has you know in the thirties and the forties and the fifties, and he would have fifty thousand people coming to his meetings, and people were healed, and the manifestations of God were just enormous angels appearing. I think about that, and I think about man, why, who would, who would not want to follow God after seeing that? Look at the disciples. Look what they saw. They saw Lazarus literally raised from the dead. Now we're not talking about twenty twenty one where technology is. Unbelievable! What we can do now—we can go to the moon. We can—I mean, there's so many things that we can do. Technology back then was a was an ox and a cart. That was it. And they saw the sky raised from the dead. And yet here they are, cowering in fear in this upper room. So let's read John twenty nineteen. Now, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were together. Due to fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Well, well let's kind of unpack this a little bit. He had to literally appear to them in the room because they had the doors locked. They were so scared And so in fear, they were in this room locked in. And so Jesus has to appear to them. And then he shows them himself and his hands and his side. And the disciples rejoice when they saw the Lord. Well, wait a minute. I mean, if you back up, you've seen all this before. You've, You've seen the supernatural events before. So it just amazes me that they rejoice, but... It's also amazing to me that they've seen all this already. So after seeing what they saw, the miracles, the powerful move of God, they were hiding in this room in fear. So Jesus had to appear to them. So let's look at some uh, basic discipling Jesus does with them. So now we move from John 20 to Acts 1.8. And this is what Jesus says to them. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. They're going to become witnesses. This is about verbally sharing the gospel. The term witness means sharing the gospel, verbally communicating the gospel, face-to-face or in crowds or however you do it, but it's verbally witnessing the gospel, sharing the message. The American Christian Church will basically do anything, And the reason I bring this up is it is witnessing. It's what Jerry talked about last message. It's talking to people one-on-one or in crowds or through dramas or however the tools that God gives you to use. But it's witnessing. It's sharing this message. But look, the church in America, and I'm only speaking about America because I live here, will do anything. I mean absolutely anything. Christian concerts build buildings, have so-called revival meetings, Christian car washes, church camps, send their kids to a Christian university, but will not share the gospel with people. That's that's amazing to me. That blows me away. What what are people getting from the pulpit? Well, this is what they ought to be getting. They ought to be getting that they need the only way we're going to change our surroundings, is if God does it. And the only way that's going to happen is if we share our faith, if we share this message, if we talk to people about what God's going to do in their heart, not religion, hey, come to church, you know, come to this, this meeting or that meeting, although those things are wonderful, those are discipleship tools. But they have to hear the message. They have to hear it. Many years ago, I, and Jerry mentioned this, I was a youth pastor at a large church church. I had a group of teenagers. Our leadership in the youth group discipled to share the gospel of Christ. I mean, it was it was amazing. And they shared it verbally. They did it through dramas. We took this group along with leaders and we went to Honduras. We went to Guatemala, went to Mexico. And they were some of the best people in their ability to share the gospel I'd ever seen. These are teenagers. And I was so blessed to be a part of it. But... One of the hardest places these teenagers told me, in fact, one of them was Jerry's daughter. One of the hardest places they said to share Christ, to share this message, to talk about people, about Jesus, was in the mall. And we took this particular drama that we were doing. that was, it's powerful. It's still powerful today. There's such an anointing on it. We took that drama into the local mall there where we lived. And I remember... The teenagers coming to me and saying, you know, we've gone to Guatemala, we've gone to Mexico, but this is tough. Well, why was it tough? Well, they saw people out there they knew. I mean, it's different when you go to Mexico. You don't know those people. You go to Honduras, you don't know those people. You go to, Jerry's been to West Africa. You don't, you don't know those people. It's easier to do that than to share it right there in your home. But Jesus tells us or tells them to wait on, the, on this great event that's going to happen to them. Acts 2:1. when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from the heavens, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves in a tongue, rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. There's another account of this that's, that happens that the Bible says they spoke boldly after the Holy Spirit came upon them and they prophesied. What are we saying here? Look, look what happened. God, God took these timid people and all of a sudden this powerful event happens to them. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so then we go to Acts 2.14. This is after the Holy Spirit has come upon them. But Peter, taking his stand with the other 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, know this and pay attention to my words. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. For these people are not drunk, as you assume, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what has been spoken through the prophet Joel. Acts 2.22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him from the dead. Amen. Putting an end to the agony of death, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Wow. What happened? Fear, cowering in the corner, locked all the doors. Jesus has got to, you know, he can't even knock on the door and say, hey, man, I'm here. Open the door up. He has to appear to them. They're just in fear. And then all of a sudden, wham, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a second part of grace that God gives us. We're already seeing believers. These are people that confess to know Christ. And then all of a sudden, the second event happens to them, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is definitely a different work of grace. If Jerry or or myself would have taught this subject in a discipleship class, it would take about four to six hours to teach. Actually, it's probably longer than that if, if we go through practice and we're trying to you know show people how to actually witness one-on-one. The last part of that training would be to go out and share your faith with people and practice it. That's what we want you to do. And as I said in the last message, find that person, witness to them. But first, if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you need to ask God to do that. That's the first thing. If you want this thing called taking the chicken out of your heart, which is what I used to call it when I first, when this first happened to me. It took the timidness, it took the chicken. It, it gave me courage. It took that out of my heart. Then you have to ask for it. How it happened to me was very simple. I was studying what we are teaching you. I was sitting on my couch and I asked God to give me all He had for me. I was there alone in my house. I was reading the Word. I was praying, and I said, Lord. I don't know what this is. I wasn't raised in the church. I had no church background. I have no idea what this is, what happened to these people, but I want it. And I know you can give it to me. And I know you're, you're no respecter person. It happened. I'm not going to tell you what exactly happened because it's personal. But in a nutshell, God met me there. When I got up off the couch, I didn't feel like tongues of fire. But I had this overwhelming desire to witness, and the boldness to it was right there. It just came over me, this boldness. The next day, the doorbell rang, and when I opened the door, there was a guy about my age. I was 23 years old then, and he introduced himself as Billy, and he said, My future father-in-law, who lives across the street from you, said that you had just gotten saved, and I was wondering if you wanted to go down on 5th Street in Olympia, and share the gospel with people. Now, if he would have come a day before that or a week before that, I probably would have said, you know, I probably don't want to do that right now. But it was like God supernaturally sent this missionary. He was a missionary to Ireland, and he was there to get married. His father-in-law was living across the street. The very next day, from me being baptized in the Holy Spirit, he rings the doorbell. And he wants me to go out and witness with him on the streets of Olympia, Washington. And I shared a little bit about that last podcast. But this is how it happened. God put this gentleman in my path. I had just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had this boldness. I had this courage. And I said, absolutely, let's go. I said, I don't know what to do. And he goes, well, just watch me. And we would literally go down and walk down Fifth Street. And as we came in contact with somebody, we started sharing the gospel. We would share it with them. And we would do that for two or three hours that night, probably two or three times a week. And I learned so much by doing that. But that boldness came over me. That's what I felt. So I say to you, the second thing you have to do, you will feel this boldness. When you ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God will meet you there. You will feel this boldness and other manifestations like prophesying or speaking in tongues will come over you. God will literally take the chicken out of your heart and you will want to go and you'll want to witness and you'll want to share this thing that happened to you. Take it in practice. That's what Jerry and I would tell you if we were teaching this class. Go share the gospel according to Jesus with somebody, someone or many or how many people you come in contact with. And if you have never done it, you will walk away feeling like you can take on the entire world. Amen? So that's, that's a powerful thing that God wants to do in your life. Turn this over to Jerry. Jerry, do you have anything you want to add concerning that? I know you had a powerful experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit yourself.
1: Yeah, Jim, I was a Christian for about a year's time trying to understand what in Christ realities were. A lady came up to me in a grocery store and she said, have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, I have no idea. I don't know what baptizing the Holy Spirit even means because I'd been water baptized. And she said it was a different experience. And she said, can we bring a group of people to your house to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, sure. So a group showed up that night, including some of my family, and the fellow who was leading the Bible study, he didn't teach on baptism in the Holy Ghost. He just said, who wants to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? And at the time, it was all still learning Christianity. My life was pretty much about me, 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 not understanding how to share the gospel completely. But I was hungry. I was hungry for more of God. So I raised my hand, and I was the only one in the room that did. And he came over and his name was Jim Hayes, a fella fellow who owned El Shaddai Ranch in Yorktown, Texas. He came over and said, repeat these words after me. And I, he said, raise your hands. And I raised my hands. I began to repeat the words. I, I asked for the gift that he'd given Paul and the gift that he'd given. And I didn't get that's as far as I got. And all of a sudden, I, this weird, strange language began to flow out of my mouth, and it's slightly freaked me out. I didn't know what was going on, and I began shaking like I was plugged into 440 volts. And all of a sudden, the next thing I remember, I was on my back, and there wasn't a catcher to catch me, and I never even felt myself go down. And as a big man that I am, I didn't feel a thing, but I do remember I picked my head up, and I looked around, and I can't tell you the most beautiful love I ever had in my heart when I looked around at all the people in that room even those that weren't christian that love has pushed me over the years to share the gospel of jesus christ because of what the holy spirit did to me that day it gave me it took the chicken out of my heart just like it did jim and it made a difference that you can't imagine and i've heard after that day there were so many people who said i was speaking in devil's tongues and and people came against me and said that was for yesterday and i'm here to say it made such a change in my life and i'll never be the same because of it amen so i urge you to do the same ask him he will
0: amen he'll meet you where you are yeah that's powerful jerry i and i and i saw that you know through my walk of uh, people as they got baptized in the holy spirit and it's amazing that you're that what you said to that person in the store is is almost verbatim what The accounts are in in some of the scripture accounts of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we just want to encourage you. This is something between you and God. And you're going to, if you go start talking to people about it, getting on the Internet and looking, you're going to get all kinds of people saying it's not real. But we are here to tell you it is. And if you want to be a witness, if you want to share your faith with people, and you want to stand before God and Him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you walked the walk and you shared your faith and people are in heaven instead of eternally lost because you shared your faith and led them to Christ, you're going to need this. So we just encourage you. It's between you and God. Ask him and you shall receive. Thanks for listening. Uh, Again, if you have some testimonies about this, if you have questions about it, please. I know Jerry's received, you know, some emails for people asking questions. But we we just want to encourage you to write us. I'm uh, jimhugh71 at hotmail.com. And Jerry is ptlyant at aol.com. Again, until we see you again, God bless you. Thanks for listening.